Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week, opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast either as a book club discussion with a beloved YA author or a look at two excellent backlist YA books for your TBR. I'm Kelly Jensen. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with Samantha Mabry, author of A Fierce and Subtle Poison, All the Wind in the World, and the just-released Tigers Not Daughters about Rachel Klein's cult classic The Moth Diaries. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Samantha Mabry, and I'm happy to be here speaking to Kelly from my home in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, we were supposed to be together at TLA doing yeah. this, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> um, before we dive in, let me talk about today's sponsor, which is Goldie Vance, The Hotel Who Done It by Lillian Rivera. Mary Gold, Goldie Vance, lives and works in the Crossed Palms Resort Hotel in Florida. While life at the Crossed Palms is always busy, the resort is currently overrun with Hollywood types filming the hottest new creature feature, and tensions are at an all-time high. Even Goldie's mom is in on the movie act, doing what she does best playing a mermaid. Just when Goldie thinks the movie biz couldn't get any more exciting, a diamond-encrusted swimming cap goes missing, and all fingers point to Goldie's mom as the culprit. Can Goldie uncover the true thief before it's too late? That sounds awesome. And it's by Lillian <laughs> Rivera, too. I'm, like, really excited about that. Uh, mm-hmm. So thank you to Goldie Vance, the hotel who done it by Lillian Rivera, for sponsoring today's show. All right, so... You picked this book for us to read. Do you want to talk about why you picked it and just like give a quick what it's about for readers who might not be familiar? Right. So um, it's The Moth Diaries by Rachel Klein. And I was trying to figure out how I was first introduced to it. And I feel like it was recommended to me by Sarah McCary, mm-hmm. right, who uh, wrote All Our Pretty Songs and several other YA novels. And if I if she didn't introduce it to me, then it's just like very on brand for her to have introduced it to me. Well, she introduced me to this book, so okay. I wouldn't be surprised if if she did introduce it to you or she's talked about it enough yeah. that like Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the book in front of me, but it came out in like two thousand two. Okay, two thousand two. So that's like real old for YA, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I think I read it. I read it again before um, in anticipation of talking to you, but I think I read it for the first time maybe four years ago. But it is about a, it's in the story of like a, it's in a journal form. So about a a girl who is at boarding school and essentially she is growing distant from her best friend, Lucy, and feels like her new across the hall neighbor is to blame for this distancing. And and she kind of gets the sense that her across the hall neighbor is a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> book. And I think that I read yeah. it. I read it a lot differently this last time than I read it the first time. Why Why is that? I was going to say, I had the same experience. I read this probably four or five years ago as well and read like what I wrote about it and I liked it. But this time my experience was way different and I liked it way more this time. I think that I was more... Okay, so the, the, the girl who might be a vampire, her name is Ernessa. And I think that the first time I read it, I thought that it was possible that she was a vampire. Like I was really thinking... This is very possible. And then this time I read it and thought that it was much more uh, a very, very like sad and disturbed young woman's thoughts at the time, right? And she's very influenced by this, uh, she's taking a class in, oh, I don't remember. It's like gothic fiction or fic- mm-hmm. paranormal fiction or something. And, and so you can tell that like that's kind of bleeding over into her reality, right? And I guess I, I did really kind of read it the first time as like a paranormal paranormal mystery. And then this time it was more of a psychological story. What did you, did you, what was your different experience? I was reading much more into sort of the grief that the main character who, um, for listeners who are like, why aren't they using the main character's name? She doesn't have a name. So she's, she goes with that one the whole time. And I was really paying attention to how her grief was playing out because her father had died by suicide. And that's when she went to this boarding school and started to um, try to make friends, made friends with this group of girls and got close with Lucy. And then when Ernesta moves in, Ernesta's also dealing with grief of losing her father. And I those things really stuck out to me this time in... Like, I don't want to say the main character was trying to make sure that the attention was on her as opposed to Ernessa, but she felt, I think, some of the, like, wish that she had that same kind of attention from her peers. Mm-hmm. And I forgot completely that the story is bookended by the main character who has, is an adult woman now, like with mm-hmm. kids of her own. and And so it's like, my doctor wanted me to, you know, revisit these pages. That's sort of how the beginning starts, right? And then the end mm-hmm. is like, I don't really know why. I still, she still doesn't sort of understand <laughs> the significance of why she had to do this. But then she like thinks about her daughters being more well adjusted, you know, just sort of than, than she was at that age. And I forgot that it was bookended like that. But still, those um, bookends don't give you any. Mm-mm. Like you want something from them. Like you want her to be like, I made this up, right? Or like, right, yeah. okay, we don't even know. I mean, there's so much we don't know. Because we, we have no, we have no idea. <laughs> like she could be <laughs> lying. There could be no Ernessa. There's, you know, and there could be no, there's a couple of the girls like who uh, die, right? And you're like, well, maybe mm-hmm. they weren't even real. I mean, you know, right. I don't, yeah. I had that thought too. I was like, and I don't think I had that last time when I read this, but this time I was like, is this all in her head? Is like this whole fantasy she's created like a way for her to deal with her own trauma? And it's easier to just like make up people that she could transfer these feelings onto. And then as all these people die and the adults who are around don't seem to care a whole lot about it. Right. It was one of those like, wait a minute, 
is she just not seeing that they do care and have to put on, you know, like their adult face or like, do they not exist? (laughs) Right. And like, she seems to be, yeah, there's like these moments that are really, really, if they were real would be like extremely important slash traumatic moments Mm -hmm. that are then dropped. So you like, did she just like kind of write this out as a fantasy and then like forget about it and, and move on? Like there's this whole thing about like her teacher, like, touches her breast yeah and then it's just like that's never really talked about again you're like wait you know I mean it was a very yeah it was a, like if when that happens you're like okay she's just like making this up right but then there's some things that are really like elaborately drawn throughout the entire it's a whole school year right yeah it's like mm-hmm. a yeah a September through a through May no, yes but then something did happen at the end because she in her afterward in the you know the end thing when she's an adult she is talking about how she was expelled for something mm-hmm. okay so like and that's a it's like a huge terrible thing that she did if that's what actually caused her to be expelled right and then it would yeah. be like what, what what did she do what she did to get expelled <laughs> that seems like that seems like possibly true and if she did then like well then was Ernesta a vampire I mean like it's very right <laughs> Yeah, I I wrote at the very end, like before we get to her um, afterward when she's an adult. I I was like, is Ernessa still there? Like, what what happened to Ernessa? We don't get a solid answer there, but then drop to you know her being an adult and saying that something did happen, and you're like, okay, well, how did Ernessa play into that? You know, like maybe she was a vampire. Like maybe this was real, or um, I. I don't know. I really love that sort of lack of closure. Yeah. And then there's like the, um, I don't know, because Arnessa is so, if she's a character, right, if she does not exist, like start Mm -hmm. to finish, then she is like an extraordinarily well-drawn character. And because then you would say, okay, well, Arnessa is just like some kind of, you know, like when you're I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like speaking the generalization and then everyone's going to be like, no one does that. But like when you're a young person and you create in your mind like an alter version of yourself, right? Who's like cooler, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, it's a completely fabricated version of you who has like cool friends and who goes on trips and who like has a big house or whatever, right? Yeah. And so then I was like, well, Ernessa could be completely not fabricated. And then it's just this sort of like who the main character wants to be because she keeps mentioning that she they're both Jewish right? mm-hmm. um, and they're like the only Jewish girls that, well, there's maybe one other, but there's something about like, they're the only identifiably Jewish girls there. Yes. Because, yeah. But then I was like, okay, so if like, if Ernesta doesn't exist and she's just some kind of, you know, inflated version of the main character, like that was really well done. <laughs> on mm-hmm. the main character's part, right? Like that's elaborate. Yeah. I um I think too, like thinking if this is somebody who is sort of her imagined self, the fact that their fathers both died was right. an interesting parallel. And something that came up throughout the book over and over was a lot of fixation on weight and body stuff. Um, in part, I think because it's a boarding school with all these teen girls who are together and that permeates their, their culture there. And one of the things she talks about over and over again is how Ernessa like never eats and is always skinny and 
you know, on and on and on about like her body never changing. And if Ernessa is this imagined self, like that fits too, where, you know, the narrator never has to change. She always gets to be the same. Um, and there's not this fear of like, what, what happens next? Like mm-hmm. what's going to happen to her body? What's going to happen to her mind where Ernessa is just like, she's always exactly who she is. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like very, again, like says the, says the right thing. It's like very learned. Yeah. And, like knows Greek better than the main character. <laughs> I mean like all the, yeah. And she was learning her like third or fourth language. Like that, yeah. <laughs> the teacher thing got me because early on she talks about how all of the girls in her class are really fawning over this teacher, uh, Mr. Davies is his name. Yeah, and she's like, I don't care for him. Like, I don't feel that way about him. And yet, all of her friends are like really ribbing her about it, and like, oh, he really likes you. You know, it's very clear you're a favorite. And then that thing happens where he like. He's touching her and she like brushes it off after like nothing more goes with it. And it's so interesting to think about that and to think about too, like there really aren't any men in this story or any boys in this story. And the ones who are there are either dead or she is like completely, I don't want to say unaware of, but like they don't capture her attention at all. Yes. Yes. Because then there's that whole like, right. Right. She mentions, like, and she articulates that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was going to go on this date with this guy. Or, like, they, she she was anticipating going on, not with Mr. Davies, but, like, some other mm-hmm. person, right? Like, she was anticipating going on a date with this guy. Or she got a new dress. And then it was, like, it ended up being bad. And that was, like, the end of boys, right? Like, yeah. it was, like, you know. And then, I mean, yeah, the language is, like, I just want to be around the girls. I just love the girls, you know. But the Mr. The, the Mr. Davies thing, it's so weird because I can't remember, like, I thought is at a certain point does she switch to kind of wanting Mr. Davies? And then, then that drops off. I feel like it's maybe less about wanting him and more about wanting the wife out of the picture. I know. Yes. Because there was this whole, there was a whole weird thing about her not liking the wife, even though the wife was like perfectly nice and she uses the word plump. It's like <laughs> she was very fixated on that throughout. Like it popped up a few times and I was like, okay, so like the wife is just kind of there, but she doesn't want the wife there. I know. And I mean those oh, I was trying to think, you know, like as a teacher, I was trying to think like how what you say that is encouraging to a student that like she is warping into like a come on and that has like made me so uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. like you should sign up for my next class which is like a total innocuous thing to say really it's just like I think you'd be good at the poetry class right and then it just turns into like she thinks that he like wants her company in a different way right it's just Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was very strange because she doesn't have that sort of relationship with any other teacher. And in fact, most of the adults in this are just kind of like that adult is there. You know, like she's always there. Yeah. She's in this place and that's it. But this this particular teacher, he has a lot more page space in her diary than mm-hmm. than anybody else. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um there is a really fascinating line I just found, and now I like passed by it. But to kind of go back to whether Ernesto was real or maybe 
this idea of who the narrator like thought her, you know, like projected self could be. Um, this comes up in March and she writes, she referring to Ernessa changes everyone around her. She finds out who they are and turns them into something else. Ooh. Ooh. I know. Hmm. You're like, who are you talking about? Yeah. 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 Like, is this a person or is this not yeah. real or is this you? Mm-hmm. Although, like, I don't there might be more than three options, right? But this is her flag. Yeah. And we certainly know she's an unreliable narrator too, yeah. which I think also adds to the like, what are you saying? What do you want us to like get out of this? I know. But then again, I think what's disturbing at the end, right? Or at the beginning and the end when her as an adult is like, I just don't, I don't understand like why this is anyone would want to mm-hmm. see this. And I'm like, because it's bonkers. Like, because it's like, <laughs> like cause it's seriously disturbing. You know, how, how, how could she say that? You know, how could she right. not read it over again and be like, I cannot believe this, you know? Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe she really hasn't grown past that. Like her kids and her life seems like it's normal, but you know, maybe like revisiting it, she's just like, I'm still, still the same. But she does talk at the very end, like her face is unfamiliar to her, but she's still like the same person. She couldn't go back to the, to the same year, but like, she can't can't grapple with it like it's just a thing that happened to her which is fascinating too like she (laughs) yes because there was like it has of course it has something to do with her right but yeah it has Mm -hmm. there's like many other people involved in that story you know like Mm -hmm. they're real there's no sense of like gosh you know Mm-hmm. And the one she remembers is that one that got kicked out of the class, right? Like the Charlie, who's like kind oh, of. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Who's like the least important part. You know, there's no sense of like, we were all, I, I don't know. There's, it's just like, it's, it is about more than her. Mm-hmm. And there's no <laughs> recognition of that. I don't know. Her blase attitude at the end is real strange. <laughs> It it is like and and part, I think for me that was what made it so fascinating too. Yeah. Like, how could you have such a like I don't care attitude about it? Like, this is something big happened. I know. Multiple big things happen in that single year, and yet it's like, oh, well, you know, my my therapist thought this would be a good idea. I know. Yeah. Right. Do you think that? There are any YA books now that sort of remind you of this one? Jeez. Nice, easy question. I know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that maybe Stephanie Keene writes in mm. like really dense, complicated narrators who you don't have full faith in. Right? Mm-hmm. And in that really unsettling unsatisfying ending. I don't mean that because I love her books and they end wonderfully. Yeah. You know, for me. They're not they're not clean endings. No. They're complicated. I mean, psychologically, I think that she's sort of like where, where that, that, but I mean, I don't know if you could write. I was trying to think, you know, like this was again before, you know, YA got really big. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this book could be published as YA anymore. First off, it's like real, it's not long. If you look at the book, it's right, short, yeah. but it's real dense, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it does have the framing of the adult. And I was like, I can see editors being like, 
too long. Cut this month. You know, like, <laughs> like there's nothing like what is sort of driving the plot forward. And it's just like, because you don't necessarily, the plot, like the, the way, like the cover copy is like, could Ernessa be a vampire? And you're like, well, it's not like, there's no mystery. You know, there's no really like driving, there's almost keeping you reading. It's just like, oh my, what is happening? And it's like, mm-hmm. you just kind of get invested in this very insular situation that's happening, right? And so, yeah, I guess it's sort of just on par. I would think it's sort of stiff, but I don't know. I don't know if a book like this would ever... I don't know. Is something coming to your mind? No, I actually, I think the comparison that you made to Stephanie Keene's work is pretty spot on in terms of like the feel of the book and what it is mm-hmm. doing. If I were to like look at this though, thinking about how far YA has come in terms of like how much more, I don't want to say edited, but you know, how much more work goes into editing them and making them YA as opposed to adult books. I feel like not many of the characters are well-developed in here. I mean, and and part of it is because it's a journal. So we're only getting whatever's going on in the narrator's head. But um, we know virtually nothing about Lucy except that she's her best friend. But we don't know why or like what. Right. You know, it's like she's not really there the whole time. Um, She spends a lot of her time in bed sick. Right. And we know that she's not. I also love these moments, right, where like they – they okay we get we do get the sense that they were best friends and mm-hmm. then that they pulled apart and so whatever reason why they're pulling apart is like again really kind of destroying this main character and is causing her to kind of make up all different kinds of scenarios possibly <laughs> <laughs> but um i do like these moments where they are best friends and it's very clear that the main character loves lucy but she also like you do with people makes these little digs like how she's not very smart like Lucy mm-hmm. right like how she always has to help her with her homework and she's just yeah. like not she's just like kind of dumb you know yeah and I just sort of like love that like you know you can just be the sort of like petty <laughs> like towards her best friend you know it's like no one's gonna see this what you've written right right I, right. I mean <sighs> it, it feels very much like a journal you know and yeah. She even says over and over, she's like, nobody can find this. Nobody can read this. Nobody can, you know, and it's like, you know, because she wants to keep it secret, like what she's saying about her best friend. But also then that brings that question back up of like, if Ernesta's not real and somebody were to read this, they would have her be committed because like, this is a whole story, you know, and, and clearly like something is not right in the narrator's head that needs to be seriously um, looked at. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, their characters aren't, they're not really characters because they're not, because they're, they're quote unquote people. You know, they're, like, yeah. the, if, if, if the author is not Rachel Klein, but the author is the narrator, right, who's like mm-hmm. giving this, then she doesn't have the, ob- she's the obligation of a, story author to like make things fleshed out and coherent Mm -hmm. you know yeah and then but then like it's like who I have patience for this because again I find this to be like a fascinating creepy book but also I think that like a lot of reader expectations are different you know in in YA and like I can just see that people just being like DNF page mm-hmm. 30 you know <laughs> <laughs> cannot, not relate. Vampires. Yeah, cannot relate to main character 
<laughs> where the vampires I was promised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it does, like the back of my book, I don't know if you had the same edition, it does say, you know, Ernesta is a vampire. So it's like you go in expecting like, okay, there's going to be, you know, all the vampire trappings, but there aren't. It's a different take on the vampire story, if it's a vampire story at all. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I looked and this seems to be the only book Klein wrote. Yes. And she has a very like, I don't know, again, if we have the same, but like a very, what seems like a very cryptic bio. Right? It's just like she lives in Brooklyn with her family. Yeah. Like, Like, who is she? Right? I was like, I want to know more about this author because this is fascinating. Like, I, uh, and there's nothing more. And I mean, it's been, you know, 18 years. uh, So the book is a teenager itself. And it's like she hasn't published anything since. Maybe, maybe she will, but I know. It's (laughs) fine. something else give us more give us part two part two (laughs) well is there anything else you want to say about this a part of me always kind of wishes that do you know or did you look up or you can possibly google as we're talking if these stories so like she when she takes just for background she takes the, the class with mr davies it's not like paranormal it seems like short fiction or short mm-hmm. stories, some kind of gothic novel thing. And if these are real stories. They are. Okay. Well, at least at least a number of them are. I don't know if all of them are, but my guess would be probably if some of them are. Like, I know Carmilla is, and um, the Jews Beach Tree is, as is Rappuccini's daughter. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I know Rappuccini's daughter because my first book was based on that. So I know mm-hmm. enough. about that story but I guess I was kind of like I haven't read these stories enough and I I don't even know if I want to the reason why I'm sort of like hedging here is because it would probably very much inform a lot of Mm. the plot quote-unquote of her journal Mm. you know like Mm -hmm. if how much she's sort of stealing the stories uh, that she is assigned to read and then like putting them into what she's describing in her journal right mm-hmm. like i also know that like lucy is a character in dracula and Bram stoker's dracula is like um there's the mina who's the main winona writer character if you've seen the film and then lucy is like the best friend who actually gets turned into a vampire and they have to stick through her heart and cut off her head so like that's a clear reference to mm. I would think so that that Lucy and then there's that weird scene again which I don't think is processed enough where Ernessa is like sort of quote unquote seeding off of Lucy mm-hmm. and then like the main character just like I'm gonna step away now and yeah. close the door yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being like, Hello. <laughs> so um I don't like part of me thinks that is just like I read some vampire fiction. This seems because like actual gothic vampire fiction is like real um, sexy, for lack of a better term. You know, it's like real kind of erotic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like that scene is also described in that way. And so I just kind of there's there's so much of like the genre that is going into the journal to make it also genre. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is a point, I believe, where Mr. Davies recommends she reads Dracula, isn't there? I think so. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. And she's like, no. Right? Mm-hmm. She's like, she like scoffs. Yes. Oh, oh. I know. Yes. And then you know she went, she read it. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I do wonder if going through the references would give it a whole other whole other storyline, too. Yeah, I I really love that. I could read this a second time and have a totally different experience with it and still like it, Um, you know, like like it for something very different than I did the first Mm -hmm. time. I don't think that there are a whole lot of books I can say that about. Not that I like don't like them the second time, but don't have a totally different experience with them and still think, wow, like really enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed yeah. having that totally different experience. Yeah. Cause you know, again, there's like whenever you read a novel the second time or you know the major plot points that are going to be hit and you know, like if a character is going to live or die. Right. And, but you're still like, wait, did it, are they going to die? Wait, mm-hmm. I, did I remember that's right? And then you're like, oh, I did. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the circumstances in your head around it are so, yes. I mean, again, it was, she was, Ernesto was so clearly a vampire when I first read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you um, seen the movie? No, because I thought, I saw it got like real bad reviews. Yeah, I, um, I saw it the first time I read the book and did not like it. And I thought about watching it again just to see, but, um, no, it was really not good. Um, (laughs) so, so those who are listening thinking, oh, I'll watch the movie. Don't read the book. Like skip the movie. Okay. Because the book itself was much, much better. Any last insights? This is a great pick. Oh, oh, good. (laughs) No, yeah, no, I, okay. I, yeah, I don't know, but my, I think that, like, when you asked me, like, what are some, rec- what are some suggestions, right? And I was immediately mm-hmm. like, the Moth Diaries, mm-hmm. or something else, I don't know, but, but I really want the Moth Diaries, you know, like, it yeah. was the clear backlist choice that I think that um, more people should read, because it's just so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, and I think especially readers who, like, weird stories like would just be transfixed with this like because it's so weird yeah okay yeah <laughs> um before i sign us off do you want to tell everybody about your latest book okay yeah sure so um it's called tigers not daughters and it is about three sisters three sisters yes and <laughs> there <laughs> there's four sisters actually, yeah but the three sisters narrate alternating chapters and before a year before the start of the novel their oldest sister their fourth sister dies in a fall from her window as she's sneaking out of her house and then the novel starts a year to the day after that and the girls have been grieving in different ways all not particularly good ways and their sister has uh, they realize that their sister has come back to haunt their house and they're trying to figure out why it's um it's got a twist of king lear correct the title is from king lear Mm -hmm. Uh, um and that was sort of one of the major inspirations of it was that i had gone to a Shakespeare in the park. And I remember this line really sticking out because it's like, it's used as an insult and it's used as like a really harsh insult and to the two bad daughters who are Regan and Goneril. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking that it was such a cool phrase. Like it was such a, <laughs> like, that's not bad at all. Like that's awesome. And so, yeah, I think that I was trying to stick closer to Lear at the beginning, mm-hmm. but I did just originally wanted there to be a scenario in which the father 
in a, in a story perhaps sort of deserves <laughs> their daughters to turn against <laughs> um, and have like a, to be a tiger and not a daughter to be a uh, a good thing. Yeah. I, I won't say more because I loved it. And I, I saw the, the Lear parallels in there and like how you twisted it a bit and did that very thing. So it's like, oh, I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining me today on Hey Extra Credit. Thank you to today's sponsors for making this show possible. You can follow Samantha Mabry on Twitter at Samantha Mabry. You can pick up her latest book, Tigers Not Daughters, wherever books are sold. And we will see you again next week for the main podcast. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading.